of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. When the Santa's Welcome to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, Brushbeater Training and Consulting, and of course hosted by me, the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio and The Gorilla Dispatch, Volumes 1 and 2. It's really good to be back with you. It's been a little over a week, had a break for family vacation as uh, we were winding down the summer, had some time off, spent some good time, quality time, well-deserved, well-earned time with the family, and uh, had a heck of a good time. Posted up a few pics of that, uh, the beautiful Outer Banks sunset here in lovely North Carolina. And uh, had had a really incredible time, and, and uh, I hope that all of you did as well. The store, of course, Brush Peter Diet Store, is rocking and rolling going into the fall. I've got a lot of new products up there. A lot of new products up there. Got noise canceling headphones, have tactical communications headsets. I've got some new communications products up there. I've got some new books that's going to be going up live here real soon kicked out a whole bunch of orders and um, came back had a lot of orders i think i had 47 to fill got those filled today got all of them shipped out including all the ones that you have ordered uh today so all those orders that came in today they all literally just shipped we just got them kicked out there and uh, most of them were packed up by me and the family. Well, all of them were packed up by me and the family. Uh, but I packed up quite a few of them myself. So that is a personal sign sealed and delivered from me to you out there. And a big thanks for the success that you have made uh, Brushbeater.store become. And and as a... Uh, a token of my thanks and my appreciation and, and the appreciation uh, from Brushbeater Training and Consulting and the success that, that you out there, this audience, has made that. Uh, I've got a new shipping policy, and that's not going to change. All right? it's, it's set in stone. Um, I was not real happy with uh, the shipping rates and a lot of that. Uh, initially, at least when you're trying to figure out the business end of this stuff, because I'm all I'm, I'm new to all these things. 
Um, I'm new to running a web store. I'm new to how all these things work. I'm new to uh, kind of figuring out, you know, the, the whole logistics process behind it. Because that's really where uh, things are either made or they're broken. You know, the shipping times, we got that down pat. The product inventory, which is all locally held here. It is all here at my home, Gorilla Base, the base of operations, right here. You know, it's it's not drop shipped, you know, to some warehouse out in the middle of, you know, some port in Long Beach somewhere. And like, you know, I, I never see any of these products or touch them. No, no, no. They're all here. They, they are in my possession. And I pack them up and I send them out. Okay, so it, it's this. I figured all that out. Right. The shipping times and everything else. We've got all that stuff figured out. But as far as um, getting the products to you at competitive rates to Amazon, because that's what I'm looking at. Okay, that is what I'm looking at, because I I look at Amazon as a competitor. Um, You know, publish the books through Amazon. I get it. And that exposes us to such a huge audience. And it's made all this possible, you know, but. I listen to my community and my community, this community of Patriots tells me that they want a real alternative to Amazon for a wide variety of products that we use, you know, communications gear, tactical gear, right? Uh, blades. So we've got, you know, my, my close friend, uh, bladesmith extraordinaire, uh, chief apprentice under the legendary Daniel Winkler, who needs absolutely no introduction in the knife community, but Kyle Tepfer, uh, who is an absolute blade savant in and of himself. Uh, the first batch of his blades has come in and yeah, I mean, they're, they're custom blades and I understand that, you know, they, they have a high price point because of that. I get that. Uh, but we've got some other options that are that are going to be coming down the pipe here real soon. We've got optics that are going to be coming down the pipe real soon. And the long-awaited foray into night vision and thermal is absolutely uh, very, very close. I know a lot of people, I've, I've had a lot of emails out there, folks, who are like, man, you know, I can't wait to get my first set of nods, but I am holding off until I can get them from you. And I'm really honored by that. I am honored by statements like that because there are some incredibly good guys in the community that you could be doing business with. Uh, I'm friends with many of them. You know, this isn't a a hostile, um, you know, we, we, I, I don't look at, you know, the other other guys, other stores in this uh, business, I, I, even other tactical trainers. I don't look at any of this as competition. I look at this as, you know, we're all colleagues in, in an industry together. Uh, but I do look at Amazon as competition. And a lot of you out there want a genuine alternative to that. And so that's what we're building. That's what I'm building. And so with the shipping policy, uh Shipping was, was I, I kind of let that be on autopilot. I let uh, the web store do its its thing because it, it has some automated suggestions uh, for logistics solutions that, that it uses um, based around weight primarily and uh, the fact that, you know, when, when we're shipping radios, they have lithium-ion batteries in them and, and there's uh, a little bit of an upcharge in there as well. 
uh, recently. Uh, recently, but I'm not happy with that. Uh, I wasn't happy with that. I was never happy with that. But the problem was on my end was figuring it out, um, sitting down, crunching some numbers, figuring this out, seeing you know where where can I make this work? Well, we figured it out. Uh, I've got it buttoned up. It is it is a done deal. And you know what? If I take a little bit of a hit on this economically, hey, man, that's fine. Because the, the bottom line for me is getting all of you out there, you know, quality gear. Okay, quality gear at the, the best price point that you're going to be able to find it in competition with Amazon. Okay, giving you a real alternative to Amazon. And so he, here it is. Uh, all orders over $100 free shipping. There's no promo codes. You know, we, yeah, I've done promo codes in the past. We're going to be doing another one coming up for Labor Day. Um, you know, but some people struggle with entering promo codes at checkout. I get it. And I get a bunch of emails. And, you know, of course, we, we do have to limit that to a few uses per customer. And some people struggle with, you know, entering in a promo code at checkout. And, um, you know, I would think that it would be very simple. But, hey, it, it is what it is. Okay, it is what it is. So, whatever flat rate free shipping all orders over a hundred dollars free shipping right so anything that you order over a hundred dollars completely free shipping it's on me okay period you know under that there's there is a small shipping fee i want to say it's like six bucks or so um you know but hey that that is what it is right so you know, right now, right now with the, the uh, sales volume that we have, which is absolutely through the roof, uh, I am more than willing to eat that cost and provide you with the fastest shipping possible. Um, got some really, really cool people that run a pack and ship place uh, not too far from me. So I get to, I, I, you know, the stars really aligned with all this and and it is certainly meant to be and uh you know when when you know we're talking about a huge number of sales just since april just since april when the store went live you know i remember uh went down to the coast back in april for a week and uh took the family down there and we we were uh sitting around a kitchen table We'd had a wonderful meal, uh, had cooked some swordfish, and I got a notebook because I carry a notebook everywhere, and I started scribbling down ideas. So, you know, okay, what do I want out of a web store? I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And I know that this is what I would want out of a one-stop shop, and so this, this is what I'm going to offer the public because this is what I think is going to succeed, you know, and, and fortunately this community has responded in such an incredible way, um, that, that I'm really, really proud of that. I'm really proud of that. And, uh, I can't thank you guys enough out there. So brushbeater.store, free shipping, all products over a hundred dollars, absolutely free shipping. And that policy is going to remain. There's no promo codes, no special offers, no special events, none of that stuff. That is that is set in stone, all right. For going forward, because that is a way of of uh, thanking this community for making this whole experience what it is, making it worth doing. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's been a huge blessing and a huge windfall, and so I can't, I, I really, really can't thank you 
enough. Um, but anyway, back in the saddle, back in here after a week of vacation. Of course, we had tactical signals exploitation the week before that. And uh, it's been a little bit of time since my voice and your ears have connected here in the theater of the mind, your daily dose of a subversive populist message, because that is what we are, and that is what we do here on Radio Contra. We are sowing the seeds of discontent among the working class in America. And I'm very proud to be able to do that. It is a voice of freedom and liberty uh, for all in this wonderful, wonderful nation. And, you know, I tell you, it is, it's a really good thing to see as this global awakening uh, continues to manifest, as it continues to unfold, as populism in America is, is really uh, coming into its own. It's a new age of populism. Um, you know, I... I've thought about doing an episode on kind of the history of populism in America from the 19 teens into the 20s into the 1930s and how it really manifested into traditional left wing politics. Uh, I think that that would be an episode that would uh, chronicle history in a way that a lot of conservatives haven't been introduced. You know, th- that's something that you're not going to hear on the Glenn Beck type things of, of the world. You damn sure aren't going to hear it on Sean Hannity. Um, I can't even listen to that guy. I forgot he existed uh, until I mentioned him just a minute ago. I, I just can't take that crowd. Uh, but you're never going to hear that. I would say that the the 100-year uh, cycle of that is, is really complete. And a close friend of mine, who's a very well-educated man, uh, very well-educated man, doctor, uh, engineering background. Really, he, he is one of the most brilliant people that I know. And, and something in our uh, internal conversations, a, a comment that he made uh, sometime back, which I thought was extremely profound, was that we have a, a political realignment that is occurring in America. You know, and at first thought, at first glance, when you are entrenched in traditional American political paradigm, you'd be very dismissive of a term like that because you would think, well, you know, I don't really have anything in common with the the Antifa types. And you don't. That's I, I want to make something very clear. Uh, you, you don't. But they, they have a place, and their, their place is not where they think it is. Uh, it's, it's a false hegemony that, that's been introduced to them. Uh, they're nothing more than a, uh, a product of, in one sense, capitalism. But that's, uh, th- that's another conversation uh, all, all together. But, but the idea of populism is neither right-wing nor left-wing. In fact, I, I think that it's something else altogether. Uh, there, there is certainly a conservative strain to it. Uh, because it is socially conservative. It always has been. It always will be. The populism of the 1920s absolutely was. Uh, it was socially very conservative. It was workers' movements, and that was the language of the left that was being used. Uh, the Workers' World Party, right? The, the Wobblies. Uh, people like uh, 
like Woody Guthrie, so on and so forth, the folk music movement uh, that came out of that. You know, but populism of today is very much being maligned, very much being castigated. The, the left wing out there, the academics of the left wing, find themselves in lockstep uh, with the, the, the right wing, uh, neoconservative movements out there. It's very interesting, and they meet on a number of different topics uh, that I find very fascinating, one of which is Ukraine. And I've been talking about this over and over and over again, ad nauseum, that Ukraine, when, wherever you see the Ukrainian flag, you'll see it, of course, uh, among all the lefties, all the trendies, right? They're all flying the Ukrainian flag. They are very happy to ignore the corruption. They are very happy to ignore the war crimes. They are very happy to ignore and and sidestep all of the talking points that they made just 20 years ago when they were talking about Iraq. Well, they're more than happy to turn a blind eye to all of that when literally the same situation is occurring, but far worse, with far worse consequences in Ukraine. Mind you, we did not win in Iraq. We did not win in Afghanistan. We are not winning in Ukraine. We will not win. This is an unwinnable war. Okay? It is unwinnable. It is not a stalemate. Don't let them fool you. It is not a stalemate. We are actively losing. Yes, we. Okay? It is It is we. And I'm going to be elaborating on this a little bit more. Now, there are seemingly unrelated topics that I'm going to be breaking down in this episode. So follow closely. Follow closely. And I want to say that they both coalesce in this song by Oliver Anthony. Uh, If you don't know who Oliver Anthony is, he is uh, a songwriter, uh, traditional roots music, singer I was you know completely unknown and exploded onto the social media scene with his song the rich men north of richmond which i think probably everybody in this audience has heard now beautiful song uh you know and, and this is something it, it's very interesting i brought up you know traditional folk music from the 30s, the 40s, you know, those old wobbly anthems, the Workers' World Party, right? The wobblies. You have to go back and listen to those. You have to go back and listen to people like Woody Guthrie and understand the point that they were making. It's very ironic. Now, we could dismiss that. As well, they were the proto-hippies, they were a bunch of, you know, uh, reprobates, losers, guys that, you know, just hobos, you know, boxcar type people that just, you know, society ignored them. Well, maybe so, but they had a point, okay, they had a point, and it is easy to dismiss that era, very easy to dismiss that era. But it is very important because they were singing about real life. They were writing songs about real life. Their message is the exact same. It resonates here in this song, The Rich Man North of Richmond. It's the same. It is the exact same. And I think that this tells the tale of that political realignment that is occurring 
before our very eyes. The left doesn't like it. The left doesn't like it. The established left certainly doesn't like it. The established right damn sure doesn't like it. They don't, they don't want it. They don't want any part of it. And it's very interesting because you're seeing just bad takes on this from all angles, including this one, uh, this Nathan Kofnus guy, Nathan Kofnus. The main point of conservatives, this was on Twitter, by the way. The main point of conservatives, new favorite song that rich men, quote unquote, have devalued and taxed the dollar. Well, Nathan, please show me where they haven't done this. Okay, please show me where the dollar hasn't been devalued because the wealthy can afford to devalue the money because that is robbing from us. It's robbing from the working class. Okay. But in America, he goes on here, in America, most taxes are paid by the rich. And even our poor are rich by global standards. Well, you're in Britain. Okay, Nathan Kofnus is in Britain. He is uh, uh, Cambridge in United Kingdom, so you ain't part of America, buddy. Uh, but note that an off-the-grid Virginia farmer can spend more than the annual household income in most countries on recording equipment for his music hobby. Forty years ago, an American hillbilly would have been lucky to own his own harmonica that costs less than one week's supply of this guy's beard wax. Well, that's an interesting slam uh, because American hillbilly music, bluegrass music, roots music, it's not the songs of the wealthy. Never has been. Never, ever has been. All the way back to the Irish roots. You want to talk about, about roots music of, of Appalachia? You know, let's talk about bluegrass, where it comes from, Scotch, the Irish. What about the blues? the african-american experience what about that what about jazz it all comes from that nathan these aren't songs made by wealthy men wealthy men the wealthy don't go into music they don't go into the entertainment industry well managing it maybe that's another story populists on both the left and the right can't articulate what irks them so they invent economic grievances and blame these rich men north of Richmond for forcing them to sit out here and waste my life away. Really? Really? Nathan, my guess is, is that you've never seen real poverty. Real poverty. The, the kind that's at your doorstep. And you're in Britain. You should go to inner city London. You'll see poverty there. You should come to the United States. You should go to inner city Atlanta. You should go to Birmingham, Alabama. You should go to inner city Chicago. You should go to Baltimore. You should look at what these places have become. Policies that people like you have supported, by the way. Because you're not a capitalist looking over some of the other things that you've read. You're certainly no capitalist either. You're no daisy at all. You just work on the part of wealthy scoundrels. That's what you are. And you can look down your nose at the poor because the poor, in this case, don't share your values or, rather, let me be more specific, the values that you can exploit for your own aim. Because that's what you were taught to do, right? 
That's what every liberal elitist in the ivory tower is taught to do. That's why you lost the workers' movements. Organized labor. Why are they overwhelmingly... Why was it that overwhelmingly, if you go to the the United Steelworkers, if you go to a lot of your... your uh, uh, steelworking towns out there, the coal miner towns, United Coal, you go to any of these places that, that are actual working class Americans. I'm not talking about those bougie, piece of shit, coddled rich kids that are in universities that call themselves a working class and never worked a damn day in their life. I'm talking about the guys that can barely afford to put food on their table and they're walking into the local grocery store not the high-end grocery stores, mind you. Not the places like Whole Foods. But they're walking into to places like, like you know, Just Save, for example, here in North Carolina, which, which is a extreme low-budget grocery store, right? They're, they're walking into those places, and they're having to decide whether they can, they can uh, uh, make bologna sandwiches and feed their kids, right? Or, or they can, they can, you know... Uh, by other things, right? They're, they're having to pick and choose what they can put in the cart and what they can't. I'm stumbling over my words a little bit right here because I get I get real real heated about this. Because when you look around, when you look around at the street level and you see people who are really struggling out there, this inflation, inflation, the transitory inflation, people like yelling, they have no idea what they're doing. They have run the American economy in the dirt. They have the audacity to say things like, well, just buy an electric car. How the hell am I supposed to get to work? I live in a rural area. Oh, we don't live in a rural area. You know, 15-minute cities, you'll own nothing and love it, right? So that you can own everything and always, constantly look down at us from your ivory tower. And we'll never be able to challenge you. Isn't that right? See, that's what you want. You want a permanent slave class. That's what you want. Because liberal elite, neocon elite, they're all the same. When you boil it down, it's all the same. Same thing. Same thing. We're seeing it unfold in Maui right now. Of course, I'd be remiss to to say if uh, you know if if I didn't mention it. Um, you know, been been praying for the folks out there. That is certainly a tragedy. Uh, certainly a tragedy. And and I tell you, I'm gonna go uh, off the the notes a little bit here. Look, folks, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that are floating around out there. Um, some that that are plausible that I prescribe to. Some that are just batshit crazy. Okay, look, there was no directed energy weapon. All right, come on. Like, let's let's just stop. All right, let's just stop this. This this is silly. There are some clips floating around. I'm not gonna give the people in question any airtime uh, because I personally I can't deal with it. Okay, it's stupid. It's disinformation. I can't deal with it. It is ridiculous. There were no uh, Antarctic bases with satellite arrays and directed 
energy bouncing off the moon or just stop it. Okay? Stop it. This is look, any anybody that even has a cursory understanding of physics knows this crap is is ridiculous, is stupid. Okay? So stop it. It's nonsense. Right? It's it, it just just uh I I can't. Okay? I can't. And to think that there were legitimate voices or people that I previously considered to be at least quasi-legitimate that are even entertaining these ideas. I mean, come on. Stop it, folks. Stop. This is ridiculous. Right? This is absolutely ridiculous. Does look like arson. Does look a whole hell of a lot like arson. And whenever you understand that arson is a crime then you begin to treat it as a crime scene and then as a criminal investigator we begin to ask ourselves some questions who benefits who stands to gain and it looks like there were a number of people in Maui that stood to gain a whole lot out of that including Oprah Winfrey People like Mark Zuckerberg. Wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. Ah, they're going to... They, see, here comes that pesky populism again. Now, you could say, well, the folks in Maui, you know, they always voted left-wing and so on and so forth. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, that's absolutely true. It is absolutely true. I mean, I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years when I was stationed there. Um, know and appreciate a little bit about the place. Um, really enjoyed being there uh, for the most part. This Hawaii's absolutely beautiful place, uh, stunning, and I you know I got along really well with all the people there too. Uh, you know thought thought they were really cool. As long as you're cool, they're cool. You know, uh, people who don't get along well in Hawaii, yeah, there's there's a reason. Uh, normally there there's a reason. Normally it has something to do with them. Um, you know, and I'll just leave it at that. But the point is, is that property value in Hawaii is absolutely astronomical. And it is no secret that these elites, these liberal elites, want to build little paradises for themselves. And they don't want us polluting their beaches. They don't want us sharing their same oxygen. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? That's the whole point behind global depopulation, which they openly talk about, by the way. Kamala Harris mentioned this. You say, oh, well, she just misspoke. Right? I, yeah, right. Yeah, she misspoke, all right. She said the quiet part out loud. And there's been many more people in elite and privileged positions of power that are letting the veil slip just a little bit too often. Right? Huh. It's no accident. It is no that is no accident, folks. And if you burn down the town, and well, all your insurance policies just well, you you got paid, but you just can't afford to rebuild. Well, here we are. Daddy Warbucks is there. Sell me your property at a bargain price, and I'm gonna turn it into my own little paradise. That's exactly what is going on. 
it is a wealth redistribution that is happening right now in Maui. That's what's happening. They're turning it into their own little private empire. Their own little fiefdom. And they don't want you and I on it. Because we're the great unwashed, by the way. We're, we are the, the people who are looking at the rich men north of Richmond and west of the Mississippi. And we are really, uh, or should, maybe should I say west of the Colorado. We are just kind of lost out there. The great unwashed. They don't want to share the same space with us. Am I right? It's a sad state of affairs, but it is one in which we find ourselves today. And it's very, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Uh, But again, pray for those folks out there, you know. But getting back to the message of, of populism. Getting back to the the bigger current, the theme of this show, it, you know, and and there's a piece that I wrote while I was down at the coast uh, because I saw a thing that really really irked me. And longtime listeners, longtime readers of mine, uh, people that have followed my work over the years, know that. Uh, there's a couple of things that really get me worked up in a hurry. And, um, you know, one of them is the, the bro vet crowd or the vet bro crowd, right? And what do I mean by that? So the, the global war on terror vets that, you know, they, they may or may not have actually done anything, um, and they they like to, to tout themselves to you nonstop. Uh, they like to ram what they did in their service down your throat nonstop. They, you know, it, it's, I find it insufferable. Uh, a close friend of mine, when I was going through a school uh, while I was in the Army to be an instructor for uh, something, told us that you know which it was very unique it was very unique none of the instructors who who were there said anything about their backgrounds from the beginning of the course nothing absolutely nothing about it um and then we were taught to say absolutely nothing about our backgrounds either and in fact we when we were becoming instructors in this course uh during the instructors course we we did not wear uniforms we came in in professional attire but we did not wear uniforms and uh, called each other by our first names. It, it was it was very interesting, very uh, different from what we were used to. Uh, very very different from what we were used to. And the reasoning was this: was that you know, hey, you're here, okay? Everybody knows why you're here. You all have similar qualifications. Some of you bring a few varied skills to the table. That's fine. But we don't want to prejudge anyone based on their qualifications coming in here, right? But not only that, you don't need to tell people what you are and who you are over and over again. They already know because you're standing in front of them. Let the information and the quality of the information prove to them, the students or whoever it is that you are instructing that class, you let the information decide right let that come across 
It was a very interesting thing, and it was a different dynamic than anything that I was used to or had been introduced to, you know, in, in my time in the Army. And uh, I thought that it, it was an incredibly valuable lesson. And so that was something that I took away with me uh, and was very valuable to me in, in my own career when I left the Army. And, uh, you know, I kept that in the back of my mind. And so when I started doing this stuff, I never really, uh, I just don't talk that much about me. I, you know, I had a, in, in class, I, I had a guy uh, in this last RTO course series who has, a, um, we'll just say that he has a uh, specialized background in the Marine Corps. And, you know, I'm not going to go any any further than that but he's he's got a special operations background in the marine corps very very capable guy and he gave me some some very wonderful uh feedback he had very kind things to say about the course and i was very honored by that uh but one of the things that he 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 was talking about with me after class was he said you know one thing i thought was really interesting is that you never when when you introduce yourself you, you never uh, said, Hey, this is me. This is all the things I've done. This is why I'm teaching you this. You just jumped right into it. It's, it's for that reason. Okay. It, it is, it is for that reason. And so you don't have to sit there and, and, you know, it's what we used to call talking off our shirt. You know, you, you just don't need to do that. Um, the information, the quality of the, the information that you're imparting ought, ought to speak for itself. So whenever I see bro vets out there, the vet bros, uh, these, these guys that normally, in my experience, these, these cats did some things maybe early on in the GWAT, maybe like, you know, up until about 07, 08, and then got out, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason. And some of them went on to, to become very successful. Look, you know, this, this is, uh, I've talked about this in, in previous episodes. Um, yeah, the one that I did on Rob O'Neill that went up on YouTube, that one got a lot of heat. Uh, I don't think I had any, cause YouTube's not really a good platform for podcasts, uh, as a whole. They're good for, it's, it's good for podcast clips, but it's not good for, for, you know, long format podcasts that are an hour, two hours long. And, uh, you know, I did it with Badlands Fieldcraft and, um, you know, we were, we, we were breaking down, uh, Rob O'Neill, anti-Second Amendment comments and, you know, stuff that he was saying. And I was, I was ragging on this guy because it's a big disappointment. It's a big disappointment when guys who are supposed to be patriots, you would think that they were the most patriotic among us having done what they did. And, and, you know, we... The American public, when I say we, I mean the American public, we, we tend to look at, uh, you know, special operations, you know, the military in general, but especially special operations is this glamorized thing, right? And, and it is, you know, infallible and it's this bastion, you know, it's, it's this uh, traditional, um, you know, bastion of, of conservative thought. Like you, you have to be a conservative to get there and be motivated to be there and all. But that is just not so. Uh, that is just not so. In eras past, yes. In eras past, yes. But there has been so many social changes for bad. Okay, they've all been bad. Uh, I'm just going to get that one out of the way. That have 
eroded not just our capability, but eroded that culture around it. And, and it has introduced a lot of toxicity. Um, you know, those, those types of guys, uh, you know, the, the ones that, that were real left-wing type crazies, they used to be legends in, in a bad way. You know, people people knew who they were. Uh, Goff was was one of them. Some friends of mine uh, that that were in SF back in that era, um, you know, brought up the guy who became a militant leftist and, and really went off the rails. Uh, did some stuff. There was another guy who went off, uh, ran off, and and joined the Sandinistas and took his SF training with him. Um, you know, and, and of course we don't, in, in this era, we don't think of those guys, right? We, we're not really thinking of that because it's, it's everything now in, in contemporary military culture is about getting rid of conservatives. Oh, everybody that is to the right of Mao Zedong is, is a, uh, white supremacist, right? They're trying to get rid of them all. It, it, finding these boogeymen, right? Absolutely. Just, just insane. This is just insane. And, and Anyway, I could go on and on about that. But the, the whole idea that conservatives and conservatism is so deeply entrenched in the soft community is just not necessarily true. It, they, they have done much to change that. And it really got underway under Barack Obama. We saw it. Okay, we saw it. There were policies that were being implemented then. There was a lot of guys that weren't going to put up with it and walked away. You know, they walked away, they retired out, they got medically retired, you know, whatever. But that culture did not continue. So our, our most combat experienced guys, leaders on the ground in the combat arms, special operations world, a lot of them left. You know, and it's a sad state of affairs, but, but that is what happened. So getting back to the greater point here, when whenever I see... Uh, the vet bros out there. And, and there's been some that have become wildly successful. And hey, I'm grateful for that. Uh, because when I see these guys, and you know, when, when uh, we were ragging on Rob O'Neill back in the day, I had one guy that commented on it, uh, thought he was being sick. And he's, he's a fanboy. Okay, he's a fanboy. You could tell, looked at this dude's, took all of 10 seconds to look at this guy's profile. Because, you know, hey man, if you're going to try and troll me, I'm going to check you out. I'm going to see, you know, where, where you're coming from. And I might think about rattling your cage a little bit, uh, as only I can do. But, uh, yeah, this guy wasn't worth the time. He, he was like a PFC or something in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, had a picture of himself. So it's like, okay, man. I see what this is. You're a fanboy, whatever. You didn't, you know, you, you may have tried out to do something cool. You didn't make it. You washed out at some point. Who cares? It doesn't matter. But you're a fanboy. All right. I can't imagine being a fanboy of, of someone like that. I really can't. Um, I, I, to me, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. See, you can't, you, you're a fanboy of, of a guy that, like, you, you're a man too. Right, you're a man too. You could you could have manned up. You could have you, you know, just I mean, you could have you, you're in the Marine Corps, cross over, go to the Navy, go to Buds, right? You know, I mean, man up. People do this. People do this. This is it's it's extremely difficult. But you know, but you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be a fanboy, right? When this guy is making ridiculous statements, 
anti-Second Amendment statements. He does not stand for your right to be armed. He doesn't stand for your freedoms. He, he was knocking the entire training industry, the civilian training industry, myself included in that. And yeah, I'm not going to sit sit and take that shit. I'm not going to take that off of somebody. Okay, and you shouldn't either. You should demand better because these people are all right. So th- that's the whole thing. Is is they they to these people, and this is the point that I made in the piece that I wrote: a monopoly of violence, or why the era of the martial civilian is more prescient than ever by NC Scout. Go back and read it. The point that I was making was that these guys, this this community, that community, thinks that wars are something that's fought on somebody else's property. Somebody else's country, somebody else's shithole that we just drop into, whether legally or not, doesn't matter, right? As we're going to be talking about with Pakistan here coming up in a future episode. Doesn't matter. Ramifications don't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm shooting Hodge in the face. Hell yeah. Except we didn't stop to think why and what the ramifications of that were going to be. And further... Ask yourself, did we win? No. Were we better for it? No. So then what was the point? Nobody ever stopped to think about that. Because that crowd, that crowd has a grift. That grift is talking about themselves over and over and over again so that you can pay them to be whatever it is that you think that they ought to be. That's exactly what it is. You know, I likened that crowd to the the team that lost the Super Bowl talking about it over and over and over again. You fucking lost. Who cares? Right? You lost. It it doesn't it doesn't matter. All the things that you did, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I don't need to hear the stories about, you know, well, this one time, blah, blah, blah. I have those stories. I don't really tell those stories. I I really don't ever tell those stories, only unless it's relevant to impart some sort of training objective on you out there, whether it's on this podcast or it's in class, is to impart some piece of knowledge like, hey, don't do this. Hey, this was a bad idea. Hey, this is something that you can use going forward. These guys aren't doing that. They're more interested in telling you how cool they are. Now, look, I'm not hating on them, okay? Those guys, it, to me, the, the whole industry, I, I am, I'm elated to see my people, the global war on terror vets, right, who we've got treated pretty good, by the way. The Vietnam vets, they got shit on bad. They got, I mean, they, they got the shit end of the stick with with everything from that era. And the Global War on Terror Vets, GY Vets, man, we don't really have anything to complain about. We really don't. Society treats us pretty well. You know, big scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, we've got some issues. There's always going to be some problems. All right, but big scheme of things, hey, man, you know, there ain't a whole lot of guys that, that have realistically have a whole lot to complain about. In terms of how society treats us in America. Let me be specific about that. You know, we we get treated pretty damn good, at least in my opinion. 
So, you know, when I see these guys getting out there and they're very successful, that makes me really happy because it, I look at that like Goodfellas, you know, uh, kind of the, the getting into the, the final uh, little, little stretch, the final act of, of Goodfellas when, you know, Tommy's going to go be made. And it was like, well, it's, you know, Tommy, Tommy getting made was like all of us getting made. When, whenever I see a guy uh, who, who's, you know, getting out there and he's successful, man, he's get out there getting after it. Man, dude, that that makes me so happy, uh, so happy, and we need to be supporting that. But on the other hand, there's a litmus test to it. I damn sure ain't going to support somebody who won't support you. And I'm going to call it out when I see some crap online. You know, it the the, the whole point behind all this is to impart this whenever I see someone from that crowd shit on the training industry as long as it's it, it, as long as it's not legitimate I mean if somebody's out there doing something dumb um, you know they're saying you know what the hell is this this is stupid yeah sure I mean that's that's fine but shitting on the, the civilian side training industry as a whole calling it tactical dress up uh, as, as this Jack Murphy clown did I'm sorry, you know, no, it's no, 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 and no, uh, because you as a civilian, you have a duty, right? Because rights have accompanying duties. That, that's the, the foundation of understanding legal philosophy is that if you have a positive right that entails a duty that goes along with it to assert such a right okay so we have the second amendment right you have the first amendment right well your your duty is to exercise it right second amendment right your duty is first to exercise it and second to train well regulated doesn't just mean Having arms, having the right to arms, it means getting out there and training. And it doesn't apply to the military. It applies to you. It applies to me. I'm not in the military anymore. Okay, done. Done with that world. And I'm training with you. And a lot of other really awesome guys are too. Right? This, this training community is, is awesome. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. There's never been a time in American history except for, you know, maybe around the American Revolution, but I would say that we probably have that beat by now in terms of sheer numbers of, of competent guys who know what they are doing, who fought in the global war on terror, Iraq and Afghanistan, who are out there offering training to you. That's it. Just by the numbers, we, we've never had a better, more solid cadre in the world. And we damn sure haven't ever had the the amount of equipment, modern equipment, night vision, IR lasers, thermal, all the battlefield enablers, drones, which is changing everything, communications equipment. We we have never ever in, in history had a civilian populace that has been this well equipped, had this much at their fingertips. Never. And it's really something awesome to behold. This is Jack Murphy clown. So he's part of soft rep. 
you know, and, and okay, I mean, it is what it is. But when I see comments like this, all right, this, of course, was on Twitter. Saw one stud quit his actual de- tactical job so he could play tactical dress-up online and do photo shoots. Probably pays more, and if that's the case, maybe it's a don't-hate-the-player-hate-the-game kind of thing. Um, well, Jack, you know, the interesting thing is who you were talking about here was uh, Mike Jones, also known as Grantham, which I think everybody is familiar with. And uh, the irony here is is that Jack he used to write for you uh, on Softrep. Uh, he wrote some articles on there. I know that he wrote one article at least about the SC4 because I read it. I remember it. I read it on your site. Uh, so you know the sad thing is about statements like this is this this isn't hating on these guys at all. Okay, it, it's that. Jack had a platform at one point in time, him and Brandon, where they could have done a lot of good for the the entire community, Patriot community, the Second Amendment community. You know, Robert K. Brown with uh, Soldier Fortune, Colonel Brown, gave Brandon Webb, he really passed the torch on to him, and I have those issues of Soldier of Fortune. Back in uh, 2012 or so, where Brandon was on the cover. I remember it. I remember it well. I have those issues around here. Uh, and I could reach out to Soldier of Fortune um, and, and get those exact dates. But Colonel Brown really handed the torch off to Soft Rep as he was getting prepared to, to kind of retire and uh, move out of the limelight, so to speak. You guys had the opportunity to do something really awesome. You know, and and Colonel Brown did so much for the Second Amendment in some really dark days of the 1990s. He did so much for this community. He passed the torch on to you, and look at what you did with it. You know, it's, it's really, it's disappointing. And that's, to me, that's the worst crime of all. Is, is that you had a platform to do something really incredible and you didn't. You didn't. You wasted it. You squandered it. And you turned it into something else. Maybe it was that Georgetown education, that programming that you got when you were there. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's it's really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, it, it's disrespectful. Above all else, it's disrespectful to america it's a betrayal of your values of what was supposed to be your values and this is this is a common theme that we see you know the black rifle coffee company crowd they did this crap you know we saw this selling out their values because they never really had any to begin with that was the thing and so a lot of these guys had they they looked down their nose at the civilian side i experienced this by the way i experienced this and i'm not going to go into too many details uh, but you know, last year, last year I was, uh, out in Wyoming and where we were training in Wyoming, where, uh, you know, we, we go out there, um, there, that ranch is kind of frequented by a lot of different people from the soft community that, that kind of float around some recent and some, you know, former. And uh, one of these guys, you know, he's, well, 
you can, you can probably catch the drift by the tone of my voice, but he just was what it was. And, uh, you know, th- there were some derogatory comments that were made regarding training civilians. And the irony was is that I have this class at the time that was the biggest class that I had ever taught out there of all civilians who were learning small unit tactics. And he just couldn't believe that, you know, when we got done doing the night patrolling lanes, he just couldn't believe that we did that. What, what? Do what? You would do that with civilians? Oh, bro, you, you're you not scared that they might, like, shoot you in the back or something? No. No, I'm not. Because I'm training them. Okay? I'm training them. I did not task them with something. I trained them to do something. It's a very different mindset. Very different mindset. And I believe in the mission. You don't. But I do. You know, and I know all of you out there do as well. That's why you're listening to this show. So, what does that have to do with the larger theme of populism? Because these vet bros, this vet bro community out there will also be the ones that will shit all over populism because these types, why do they have the opinions they have? Because they're sellouts, first and foremost. Because they're products of seeking that next contract, right? The soft rep crowd, what it, whatever it is that they do, I haven't visited that website in many, many years. Apparently they have a podcast. I did see the one where they interviewed the war criminal. I saw a couple of minutes of that before I cut it off. Uh, I don't have any time for that. Because again, I, I don't need to do that, okay? I don't need to see or hear things like that. I, I just don't need it. All right. I've got enough darkness in my life. Things that, that I encountered overseas. I don't need that. Okay. I don't need to hear what other guys did. I don't need to hear, you know, the, the equivalent of uncle Rico talking about, well, you know, if we had just done this, we'd have, we'd have won the war. You know, nah, man, I don't need it. I don't need it. And I don't need to hear how cool you are. Uh, so, you know, I tune most of those people out. You know, people ask me all the time, well, who, who do you watch for entertainment? Dude, I listen to music. You know, I listen to really good music. I like, uh, I like listening to things that make me laugh. I love comedy, you know, uh, <laughs> absolutely love Joey Diaz. Um, you know, I, I love, I love observational comedy. Those are the things I listen to. I love cars. I, you know, I, I love trucks. I love four-wheel drives. I love off-roading. I, I, you know, man, I, I, don't, uh, I don't need to sit there and listen to that crowd. But I damn sure don't need to give them the time of day when they say things like that. Because what that is, what that is, is a slap in the face. That is looking down the nose at all of us. The training industry... All of you out there, the Second Amendment community, these people look at us like we're beneath them. And so what I'll tell you is this, summing it all up, you know, because we're running up right up on an hour here. Populism, you know, populism's on the rise. That's why the propaganda is so strong. And we're seeing it from all sides, right? We are seeing this from all sides. It's because you're winning. 
Your voices are being heard. They're being heard and they're reacting to it. Folks, we're really doing some incredible things. And, you know, it's it's not necessarily hinged on an election, although that can be a galvanizing point. And I think that'll be something that we can talk about here in the very near future. Keep your heads up. Do not let them beat you down, or so the song goes, because we're going to win this. We are going to win this. Brushbeater.store. Once more, talked about it. Flat rate shipping. All orders are free over $100, and I got a heck of a lot of new products up over there as well. So all those radios you know you're going to buy, I got them all over there, but all the radios that you already have, I got plenty of support equipment for you over there. And I look very much forward to training with you in class. Training calendar is up. Everything that is up over there uh, on brushbeater.store is still open for enrollment. I've got a couple of slots left in the upcoming course in Tennessee. And uh, at my place, by the way, Combat Studies Group, my buddy Kay, we're going to be doing another podcast here really soon. Hopefully by the end of the week, we're going to be able to kick that out. And uh, we have got Ground Rod 1 and 2, his tactical rifle and pistol course, and another one-day class uh, that he has put together specifically geared towards traveling outside of the United States, Uh, so keeping yourself safe while traveling abroad. He's going to be talking about that a lot more. That's coming up in September. September is going to be a real busy month for brush beater training and consulting, and I look forward to training with all of you here at the G-Camp while we are doing all of that, folks. God bless, stay safe, and I will talk to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout, out.